This is the World War II Radio Podcast. A date which will live in infamy. This is London. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Go ahead, Berlin. This is the National Broadcasting Company. Welcome to the World War II Radio Podcast. Today we have an episode of This Is War, which was a cooperative effort between the CBS, Mutual, NBC, and NBC Blue Networks to form the American public about the war. This episode, Your Army, first aired on March 7th, 1942, and was hosted by Tyrone Power. The World War II Radio Podcast is a Brick Pickle Media production. If you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. You can also support the show by clicking on the link in the show notes and offering your financial support. Your donations helps to continue to produce the podcast, and thanks to those of you who have already donated. Thanks for listening, and enjoy today's episode of the World War II Radio Podcast. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This is war. The four major networks unite to present the fourth in their series for Wartime America. Tonight, Your Army, written by Stephen Vincent Benet. Tyrone Power is our principal voice. Army, our army, a people's army, 
raised and equipped and run by a free people. Made up of Bill Jones and Benny Cohen and Stan Wachinski, Bert Anderson and Charlie Pappas, the kid who dropped out of college when he heard about Pearl Harbor and the blonde kid who used to pop sodas at the combination drugstore last year. That's our army. And we know that. But how much do we know? army about? What's it for, a free people's army? Let's go back just a minute and see. Go back to the roots of the nation. Article 2. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That is the Second Amendment to the Constitution. The men who passed it had been through a long, hard war to make their free state. They knew how that state must be kept. And remember what Washington said? To be prepared for war is one of the most effectual means of preserving peace. The free people ought not only to be armed, but disciplined. Washington spoke from experience. He'd seen his men starve. He'd seen them taste like boxes. Here's one of his generals writing a letter home. The whole army has now gone into winter cantonment Excepting General Nixon's and my brigade, who are now in the field, 800 of my men without shoes or stockings, enjoying the sweets of a winter campaign, while the worthy and virtuous citizens of America are enduring the hardships, toils, and fatigues incident to parlors with good fires and sleeping on beds of sun. Forget it? <laughs> of course. It happened over 150 years ago, and we won that one, didn't we? Yes. But let's just hear one more witness. The father of the idol of the South. The cavalryman they called Light Horse Harry Lee. Government is a murderer of its citizens which sends them to the field uninformed and untaught. They're there to meet men of the same age, mechanized by education and discipline. Pretty grim, isn't it? Pretty businesslike. And pretty contemporary. Are you listening, gentlemen of Congress? That was Batavia falling. Are you listening, you good, decent, honest, peace-minded Americans? And you're all of that. Who didn't see and couldn't see why our country needed a real army? We forgot, of course. We're apt to forget the teen wars, forget the voices and the warnings. We cut the standing army down to 80 men right after the revolution. And in 1812, we fought another war. And we were invaded and our capital was burned. But we won that one. And in 46 and 61, we fought other wars. Yes, Blake. Yes, Captain Yes, Sergeant. What's the trouble? There's 200 men with their rifles just come down here from the hills of Kentucky. They don't want to enlist in Washington. I just can't do a thing with it. Where are men? Where are men? Hell, they don't want to be sworn in. They just want to know where this place called Matamoris is. And how soon can they get there and start always in the spirit. And in 61. Beyond the band of colors, devoted to the soil, fighting for our poverty, the king's priority for us. And when the lights of heaven, we love the Christ for us.
plans get executed? What sort of news comes into the quiet room? Let's listen a moment. Short wave. Hello? Hello, Brad? This is Truman. Yeah, I'm talking from Austin. We just landed. Well, I, I guess I was the first guy ashore, so the old man said I could broadcast. Through the air at 400 miles an hour. War that spills and runs like quicksand. 
have we got? What machine? Well, there's one of them. Chemical range computer. What the boys call a jukebox in any aircraft. Kind of a brainy old buzzard. Looks up at the range finder and the sound locator and the searchlight. Figures up the speed and altitude and range of enemy planes and then sets the gun so your shells burst on the target. Here's all by its little self once you turn those wheels. That doesn't make mistakes. When you start coming over, Mr. Hitler, just remember the jukebox boy. Modern war. War of machines and skills, of dials and calibrations and micrometers. War we're able to fight because we know about them. Because when we want, we can make the best machines in the world. You've heard about our bomb sites. Well... Thanks, soldier. And, oh, uh, by the way, I've got a message for you. Yeah? The sergeant 
said to be sure to ask you how you were picked for lemon extract. Lemon extract? <laughs> I'd ask for it, I'd tell Lemon extract? Say, you get out of my kitchen before I take this food I wonder what made him so sore. <laughs> Didn't mean to do it. You make a battery just sore and you're in for trouble.
And what are we going to do, sitting here at our radios? Squabble some more? Write letters to the papers? Board sugar? Curse out the government? Spread the lies that divide a people? Hold up in a chilly sweat every time there's bad news? There's bad news now, and there's going to be bad news for quite a while. The Army knows that. Our enemies aren't pushovers. They are skillful, savage, and relentless. They've trained for years for this chance to enslave the world, and that's just what they mean to do. They'll use every trick and tool. On the other hand, they aren't supermen. They didn't come down from Mars. They can be licked, and they will be licked, by men. Not by men without machines or by machines without men, but by men fighting for freedom with the right sort of tools in their hands. And taste this one in your hat. It wasn't just the snow and the cold and the mud that bogged down the German drive in Russia. It was a fighting army and a fighting people. It wasn't just tradition and Magna Carta that stopped the Luftwaffe cold in the Battle of London. It was a fighting air force and a fighting people. We've got the fighting army, and it's going to fight all the way around the curve of Earth. Men are going to die. Very good men are going to die. They're going to die in the jungle for the shape of a Virginia field and a crossroads store back camp. They're going to die in the cold for the clear air of Montana and the smell of a New York street in the church where they used to go if they went to this. For some things they learned at school and for some things we've all of us learned. For three words cut in gray rock. Duty, honor, country. And for an idea called freedom. I'm not going to use the big words. I'm not going to talk about sacrifice or in vain. We are going to know such sacrifices as we have not known since Valley Ford. And unless we win this war, even that will be in vain. It's you that I'm talking to. And you, and you, all over America. We've got a fighting army. Let's show them a fighting people. You see, army shipper. In some countries, an army means a steely political machine. Dominating the government. Trampling on the rights of the people. What's our army? Let's hear from one of its historians. It has a soul of its own. It's nothing in itself. It is everything as an organ of government. It has no political aims, no political ambitions. Its commander-in-chief is a civilian. It is the people's army, and there's a law. In some countries, an army is run by a heel-clicking military cat. Get into the cover, you civilian spine. Don't you know the sidewalk is for officers? Yes, Captain. Certainly, Captain. Who prepares that, Captain? No. That isn't our army, and it never has been. We have our training school for regular officers, West Point. Money won't get you into West Point, and neither will a social register. No graduate of West Point has ever tried to upset the political system of this country. No graduate of West Point has ever tried to build up a ruling military caste. They are men who do their hard jobs for less than civilian wages. And when they retire, for a few of them, there's a medal in a box and a flag hung up on the wall of a cramped suburban apartment. And for others, there are the graves. The graves in Arlington, at Poisson, in the cemetery at Manila, in the unmarked ground. The graves mark... Here lies an American soldier, known only to God. But meanwhile, they do their job and they live up to their specifications. Duty, honor, country. That's our ruling military task. And the others, well, you know them. The lawyer, the doctor, the florist, 
The man you take the five cent with, the hacker, the clerk, the farmer, everybody who's got somewhere a piece of paper with the seal of the United States on it and the words honorable discharge. That's our army, the people's army, and their sons are in it today. It's an old army and a new one. It goes back to the cross-belted continentals and the farmers who held their fire at Bunker Hill. It's Dan Morgan's riflemen and Stonewall Jackson's foot cavalry and the Rainbow Division and the men who hold loose arms. It's the dandy silk stocking outfits from the cities and the sergeant with half a dozen hash marks. The shave tail fresh from the point with his quiet ring shiny on his finger and private turkey of the kitchen police. It's an army that calls its leaders Mark Robert and Old Jack, Ulysses and Old Iron Pants and the Green Hornet. An army with its tongue in its cheek and its gun in its hand. A disciplined army, you bet, but our own kind of discipline. An army that takes the machines like a chuck to water. The fighting army of the American people. Of the people, by the people, and for the people. First, last, and all the time. Are you back of it? Listen. Nations. This is war.